Hi, everybody. Welcome to another incredible, you know, thought-provoking episode of Brown-Eyed Junicorn. I'm your host, Hannah Brown, and here we are. It's a Thursday evening. I got back from Chicago a couple days ago. I've been working ever since the moment my plane touched the ground, and I got up at 6 a.m. to watch this episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey to recap it, and I'm thrilled. Before I get into the episode, first I would like to say, if you don't follow me already, follow me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram and Twitter, and if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. I so appreciate those of you who do, who have. Um... It's super helpful and means a lot. And also, if you just can't get enough of my voice, because who can? A lot of people. Um, head to patreon.com slash Unicorn For just $5 a month, you get access to all my bonus episodes. I just recapped Pretty Wild. And then this month, I'm going to be starting to recap um, season two of Real Housewives of New York, which is a hoot and a holler. So get excited for that. Um, before I get into the episode... I just want to tell you a little bit, a little bit about my uh, Chicago trip. It was amazing. So I had gone for my friend Joanna's wedding. Shout out to Joanna. She got married to her lovely now husband, Benny. It was a beautiful black tie wedding. I had so much fun like planning a look. I did like a big updo and a slinky gown. And I got to recycle my dress for my older sister's wedding, which is a true thrill. Um you know, when you like have to buy a fancy bridesmaid's dress and you're like, where the fuck am I going to wear a gown again? And then you get the opportunity to wear a gown that you actually liked to wear the first time around and then you get to restyle the second time around. It's a true blessing. So Jake and I, um, if you're first listening to this, that's my boyfriend, Jake, got to go to this wedding. It was super fancy. He met my family. Basically, I'm not flying in for the holidays because plane tickets are expensive. So I used this trip home for Joanna's wedding to sort of count as my entire holiday trip. I think I said that last week. So Jake met my family. It went great. The whole trip was amazing. But I realized something that I feel like might ring true to some of you. And if it doesn't, feel free to fast forward. I also had like a lot of anxiety being back in Chicago because I realized that like being in Chicago dredged up a lot of, um, I don't know, negative feelings I had like when I lived in Chicago I was dealing with like the loss of my mom and I was looking for validation like anywhere I could find it whether it was in like group of friends that group of friends groups of friends that I didn't fully vibe with or like with dudes I shouldn't have been banging or whatever I mean I wasn't I was not very far away from the best version of myself in Chicago so being there I like found these feelings of like guilt and shame like bubbling up inside of me and I was like oh my god like I was such an asshole I was a bad employee I was kind of like a meh friend I was just meh all around I was so unmotivated and I was grappling with those feelings and I like reached out to my best friend Clayton about it and she was like well I've loved you as every version of yourself and also like it's just important to sometimes go back to those places to realize how far you've come. So for those of you that ever, and basically she also told me like, hey, no one's thinking about the shitty things you did. Everyone's always thinking thinking about the shitty things they did. And I was like, that's fair. Um, but I just wanted to mention that to anyone who like is maybe second guessing yourself or feeling anxious or feeling like shitty about things you did in the past. It's like the fact that you feel shitty just means that you're not like a total sociopath and it means that you're growing and that you're changing because you can look back on things you did and be like, oh fuck, I would never do that now. It was a really wild feeling though and it also validated that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, podcasting and bringing my, my scratchy little voice to your beautiful ears. 
Also, I just want to celebrate the launch of Disney+. Plus. Um, in the few short days since I started my seven-day free trial, I've watched several episodes of Lizzie McGuire. I fell asleep to Smart House, woke up in the middle of the night, put on Blank Check, fell asleep to that. I also just want to say Blank Check is an amazing movie. It should have won an Oscar. And Preston from Blank Check, when I was a little girl, I thought Preston from Blank Check was a hot piece of ass. I was like, he, Mr. McIntosh, hello, hi. I will go down your water slide out of your house with you. Do you guys remember that part in Blank Check? Preston, like Mr. McIntosh, spends like his million dollars to like build a slide out of his house and then he gets to like slide out of his bedroom window like into a pool. Like incredible. Um, I thought he was so hot and I thought the name Preston was so hot. So Blank Check is on there. Also, finally, I watched Return to Oz, which I remember Return to Oz was one of those movies that like would be on late at night on Disney Channel sometimes because it was like too dark and too scary to be played at normal hours. And I was always like a fantasy kid when I was little. I was super into Labyrinth. I was into Dark Crystal, Never Ending Story. Return to Oz was one that I didn't see that many times. And it was because it scared the fucking shit out of me. So like I never went out of my way to like go to my local flagship video, Lion Video. Those were the two or Video Adventure. Those were all the movie stores in my hometown. I never went there to pick out Return to Oz and watch it. So I see it on Disney Plus and I'm like, Getting over the sickness, right? I have this like cold and I'm like, holy shit, fuck. It's going down. I watched that movie and it is just as bone chilling now as an adult as it was when I was like five. And it took me 38 minutes, 38 motherfucking minutes to realize that Dorothy from Return to Oz is also Nancy from The Craft, played by actress Faruza Balk, who is also a Wiccan in real life, which one of my listeners told me. So thank you so much for telling me that. Um, or Instagram followers. One of you out there in the ether told me this, and I really appreciate you. And I was like, holy fuck, what kind of pop culture addict am I that it took me 38 minutes to put together that Dorothy's little creepy face was also Nancy's creepy face. Fruza Balk's beautiful, but creepy face. Return to Oz is so creepy. And I was like, I need Labyrinth. I need David Bowie in tights. I need goblins that are Jim Henson puppets to soothe my nerves. But those of you who just got a Disney Plus um, subscription the way I did, I would encourage you to watch Return to Oz, DM me on Instagram at Hannah Brown, and let's have a dialogue about it because it lived up to my expectations of how creepy it was, but also the effects were like kind of amazing and like held up. I was like, this movie, I guess, was nominated for an Oscar in like 1985 for having amazing effects. And I was like, truly the fact that it's 2019 and I'm still like mystified as to how they did some of these effects is like incredible. So watch it and message me and also enjoy binge watching even Stevens and Lizzie McGuire. I know Shia LaBeouf, um, you know, has fallen off the deep end a couple of times in his life due to a really wild upbringing, but like Louis Stevens, like he can get it. Like when I was again, along with Preston from blank check, when I was little, I thought Louis Stevens was a hot piece of ass as well. I was like, Oh my God, he's so funny. He's always laughing at his own jokes, which I do too. Like I thought Louis Stevens was like my soulmate. It was like Preston from Blank Check, Louis Stevens, Max Keeble, and then like Taj Maori from, um, what is it? Smart Guy, T and Tamara's little brother. So hot. But I digress. Um, so that's where I'm at. Went to Chicago. It was great. Watching Disney Plus, thriving. Let's get into the episode though, guys. We all know why we're here. We're talking about this week's episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. So 
It opens with previously on Real Housewives of New Jersey. We see Jennifer's stupid event. We see Dolores and Frank and David's like weirdness with them building David's house. We see Jennifer's very not funny imitation of Jackie. We see Jennifer being like, it wasn't that serious. It was a joke. Then we see everyone talking about Teresa out with that young dude. And the Judice girls talking about Joe's case. And then the call with Teresa and Joe at the end of the episode. And then we have the opening credits, which maybe I was just like spacing out last week, but I do not remember watching the credits this closely. But I want to say that my favorite tagline of the season is Teresa's where she goes, if you rub me the wrong way, there'll be no more namaste. It's so dumb that it's good. You know, it, I would say it's still not quite as good as Dina Manzo's namaste bitches. But, you know, it's cute. I like a rhyme. I like a sassy rhyme. Over the weekend, um, I came up with really dirty lyrics to supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They just rhymed and they poured out of me and Jake was like nearly peeing his pants on the sidewalk. So I love a good rhyme. Um, I don't remember what the rhymes for my weird Mary Poppins song were. Otherwise, I would sing them to you right now. But I was like, how are these rhymes just like flowing out of me? Um Anyway, the episode starts and it's Thursday at 7 a.m. and Teresa's at the gym and she's like moaning and groaning. She's like, yeah, on all the machines. And she talks about how Joe was transferred to ICE custody in the middle of the night to avoid the paparazzi. And um, she's trying to get out her frustration. And then we cut to the Gorga house where um, Melissa and Joe's son, Joey, is making a mini mohawk. And he's like, dear, do you like my hair? And Joe's like, yeah, I do. And Joey's little mini mohawk in this scene reminded me of the bar mitzvah days from the early aughts um, where every boy would like put gel in his hair and like spike up the front. And it just took me back to the whole experience. I was like, I just want, you know, Nick to ask me to dance with his little spiked hair and his ill-fitting suit at this bar mitzvah. And I just want like a Shirley Temple and mozzarella sticks. So Joey really took me back to that place with his little mini mohawk. And then Joe Gorga reveals that he wrote a book called Joe Gorga's Guide to Success about how an average guy can also be successful from building and flipping houses. Um, and Joe Gorga is like talking about Teresa and he's like, you know, she's going through some crazy stress with Joe. You know, it's really hard. This has been such a great year for me, but I can't help thinking my sister's going through hell. And then meanwhile, Marge is talking with her husband. Th- with her husband, also named Joe, about Joe's case. Holy shit. I don't know how this is the first time that I'm realizing, looking at my notes, that there are like 75 Joes in Real Housewives of New Jersey. This is crazy. Too many Joes. So Marge is talking to Joe about Joe Judice's case. And then Dolores is talking to Frank about the case. And then we go to the Judice house um, where Teresa rolls in like, hi, I'm starving. I need to eat something because I'm stressed. And um, Nono is making chicken cut- uh, chicken cutlets for breakfast at 8 a.m. Um, and Teresa's eating her chicken. And then she talks to Joe on the phone. And, or I'm sorry, talks to Joe Gorga on the phone. And he's in her phone as Joey brother. Um, and he talks about Gia's Instagram, how she posted something sad about how she's not going to see her dad for a while or something to that effect. And then Teresa asks Nono about Melania. And he's like, she say good morning and she go back. Guys, I'm really working on my no-no impression. I feel like that was better, but it also sounds kind of like Lindsay Lohan, so bear with me. Um, then Therese talks about how Melania is struggling the most with Joe's absence. And she goes to her room and knocks on the door and she's like, and Melania's like, go away. Will you stop annoying me? And Therese's dog starts barking and she has this wild purple dye all over it. And Therese's lawyer arrives and Nono's like, 
Bella, shut up. And then he's like, you talk now, goodbye. And just leaves Teresa and her lawyer in the kitchen. And he leaves with a mouthful of chicken, which is a big mood to just be like, you guys talk. I'm leaving with my chicken. That's how I would like to address every situation, every conflict, just being like, you guys deal. I'm leaving with my fried chicken. So then the girls come down um, to talk with Jim, Teresa's lawyer. And we find out that um, kids taunted Teresa's daughter, Adriana, at school and talked to her about how Joe's in jail and made her cry, which I was like, fuck you fucking kids. I talk about being bullied as a kid a lot on this show, far too much. But like, why are kids so fucking awful? Like, it's not your fucking business. And fuck their parents for even talking to them about how Joe's in jail. That's no one's business. It's no one's business. So poor sweet Adriana was crying at school, which I was very upset about. And then Jim explains to the ladies that they'll get an answer to their appeal within 30 days. And then if they lose that appeal, they'll have to file another one. And then the phone rings. And it's like, this is a call from Joe. So, you know, Teresa picks it up and he's, she's like, hi, how you doing? And so he says hi to all the girls. And he's like, everything is on lockdown here. It's like max security. And Gio wants to come see him. But then he says he doesn't want any visits because of having to talk to the girls like through a screen. And Melania's like, are you kidding me? I can't even touch my father now. Melania is like so fucking over it. She's like, oh, which, you know, I get it. It's fucking annoying and depressing. So let me cut to Thursday at 2 p.m. We see, um, on a much lighter note, we see Frank and Dolores' house that they're building for David, Dolores' boyfriend. And Frank's, like, talking to the the construction guy, contractor, I don't know, someone special who builds houses, and he's like, how we doing? What's the status with the stone outside? About three, three weeks, you'll be done with the stone outside? And he's like, of course, Dolores is late. And he's like, hey, Dolores, nice boots you got going on, Dolores. That's why you're late. And she's like, whatever, Frank. So she rolls up late, looking like a fucking snack. And they do a walkthrough of the house. And she's, like, pointing out her counters and her stove and her islands and her coffee bar. And she's like, I don't want any clutter. And Frank asks Dolores if she's moving into David's new house. And Dolores doesn't believe in moving in without a commitment. But she's, meanwhile, making this whole house to her exact specifications, which I love the power move of being like, I won't move in without a commitment, but I am building a house that I would love basically to just push you towards committing to me. And then David, adorable little David, rolls up in his cute little scrubs. And Dolores is like, David! And he's like, Dolores! And she like straddles him. She flings herself at him and he awkwardly keeps his hands in his fleece while Frank just chuckles. He's like... <laughs> Frank kind of has like a Zeus from Hercules energy. Disney's Hercules, like he's just like, how's it going? He's just fucking built like a house. That thought wasn't even a note. That just like struck me. It's probably because of all the Disney Plus I've been watching. Let me know if you feel the same way. I truly feel like Frank is like an Italian version of Zeus from Hercules. Anyways, um, then David is explaining where everything's going. And he says there's going to be a table. And Dolores is like, I don't want a table. And then David's like, Dolores, here's a word that you've never heard in your entire life. Budget. And she's like, that's an ugly, filthy, disgusting word. And honestly, I love David's like calm energy. It's so opposite of Frank. And the way he sort of like balances Dolores out, I think it's a really uh, solid partnership because, you know, you need like the really lit, loud person wearing hooker boots at like 2 p.m., you know, to walk through a construction site, which is the me in this scenario. And you need, like, the calm, chill person, like David, which is, like, my boyfriend. Um, 
relationships are all about balance. I'm sorry to be like Sheena Shane, bring up my relationship every two minutes. It's really annoying and I'm sorry. Anyways, so Frank is like TBD on this whole house situation. He's like, I don't really know what the fuck is going on. Dolores is like building this house to her specifications, but they're not committed yet. Blah, 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 blah. And then we cut to Jennifer and her daughter, Gabriella. And they're going for a walk. And Jennifer's like, this is a good way to start the day, right? Exercise. And Gabriella's like, ew, I'd rather go shopping. And Gabrielle is not into nature. And she's like, you want me to experience like a bear? And look, I know in Housewives, you never talk about the children, especially in Jersey. There's been so many reunions where it's like, don't you ever fucking talk about my children. But Jennifer's children just kind of seem like a fucking nightmare. You know, I find them to be just kind of, I don't know. Except for the youngest one who I celebrated last week, who's a fucking Disney Channel star. The other ones just seem to be kind of like blah. But this scene actually made me really sad because then Jennifer asks Gabby how things are going at school. And she's like, you know, same, same. A lot of my old friends are they're so mean. She talks about how her old friends dropped her. And then she's like, now they're sending over their boyfriends to come throw food at us. Now I'm like really sad. And then she started crying, which was really hard to watch. Also like, fuck Okay, again, going back to, like, the kids who bullied Adriana about Joe Judice being in jail. Now, these kids throwing food, I truly, if my if I found out my kid was throwing food at somebody, I would put them in a cage and then threw, throw food at them through the cage. I'd be like, how does it feel? How does it feel? Truly, like, wh- it's awful. So, poor Gabby. This was kind of a bummer. But then Jennifer tells a tale about how she wasn't popular in high school and how one girl just wouldn't let it go. And she was like, you know, it's like Jackie accusing Jennifer of being a bully. Oh, yeah. Jennifer says this in her confessional that Jackie accusing Jennifer of being a bully hit a nerve because she was bullied. And she's like, I don't think it's the same thing at all. And then Jennifer's mom didn't have her back back in high school because she's like, what do you expect? But Jennifer's telling Gabby that everything is going to be okay, And she's like, you're so beautiful. And Jennifer also talks about how her mom in high school be like, trash. They don't like you, trash. And I'm like, honestly, I agree. If someone doesn't like you, they're trash. Um, Then we cut to Bistro Leo for Joe Gorga's book launch party. And the family sees each other, and it's just very Italian. They're like, oh, hi. It's about time. Reminded me of my days in Tony and Tina's wedding. And then Margaret's Joe, my favorite Joe with his fuzzy mustache rips a shot with Joe Gorgon. He's like, to Joe and your success. Hot. That was my note. Just hot, period. And everyone's having a great time. And then No-No rolls up and he's like, where is my son? And then Joe Gorgon's like, you're looking good. And Melissa's like, hi, daddy, to No-No. And like, I'm sorry. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't like when grown women call their dad daddy. I think it's fucking weird. But... No-No isn't interested in Melissa's greeting. He's like, where are the kids? He's just fully like, where are the kids? How do I comfort the kids? How do I no-know it up? He's just no-knowing around in this crazy world where Joe Judice is going away. And he's just trying to keep his shit together. And then Marge is like, there's a lot of people celebrating Joe, which is so nice. I'm trying to get her nasality down better. I think I'm going to plug. There's a lot of people celebrating Joe, which is so nice. Wow, plugging my nose really helped with my Margaret impression. Noted. So Melissa's just beaming at how proud she is of Joe, the author. And I'm like, okay, like, not to be a bitch, but here I go. An author Joe Gorga is not, but I'm sure his ghostwriter did an amazing job. And I don't mean to be an Aviva dresser regarding Carol Radzawell, 
and not be a well-wisher, but facts are facts. Joe Gorga had a ghostwriter. However, I would like to read his book and just see what's in there. You know, I would love to like take a vacation to somewhere tropical by myself and just bring every Bravo Liberty's book and just read them. Like Next Level Basic, Joe Gorga's like, you know, Tim Robbins' Guide to Success, Melissa Gorga's book. I mean, there's just so much to unpack. I'm like, what wisdom can you and your ghostwriter give to me? I want to fucking know. I'm going to manifest that for 2020. I want to do that. A tropical vacation where I just sit alone on a beach and read Bravo Liberty's books. But I digress yet again. So then Dolores is like, there's an unwritten rule in our Italian culture. You don't pry and prod into how someone feels about something. You just keep it light. And then my note to that was in all caps, everyone needs to be in therapy. I bonded with this glorious woman named Bobby today who I met. She's amazing. I know her through Jake. She changed my, or she rotated my tires today. And we were bonding about how everyone needs to be in therapy. And I was like, Bobby, you fucking queen. Everyone needs to be in therapy, okay? I was just like, this whole, like, in Italian culture, you don't talk about your feelings. You just keep it light. It, like, made me so upset. And then Dolores is talking about she's planning an obstacle course for Teresa to distract her from, you know, all the drama with Joe and to have some fun. And Teresa's like, oh, that's great. Can I bring Danielle? And they're like, mm, you're fucking serious right now? Um, and I think, oh, yeah. Um, they, they cut to all of her altercations with the other women from last season and there were a lot of them and Margaret's like, how you gonna, how you gonna bring Danielle to an obstacle course? Her pussy rank could get caught on an obstacle. If Danielle has the balls, no pun intended, to get her pussy pierced, I mean, holy fuck. That's wild. But also like, whoa. I wonder if it like enhances the experience. I would love nothing more. The, ugh, why can't I speak, you guys? I would love nothing more for Danielle than for her to have a pierced vagina. I love that for her. I think it sounds fun. Then we cut to Teresa and Danielle bonding and becoming great friends, like a montage. And Teresa's like, see, you got it. And Teresa's like, then it cuts back to her at the event being like, uh, if it's my day, why is Jackie invited? So Melissa's like, uh, shocker. The truce between Teresa and Jackie lasted a total of five seconds. So basically, Jackie gets cut from obstacle course day. And then Joe Gorga makes a toast. And he's like, I want to thank everybody for coming. I want to say thank you, God, to my amazing family. You know, as I was writing this book, I was like, <clears throat> as you, in air quotes, were writing this book, I never realized how much this amazing, or what? I don't know what I wrote. Um, oh, how this amazing man right here was my role model in life. He came to this country with nothing and said he wanted to be somebody. And in business and life, I fought every day because you made me that man. And I love you. And as my wife says, thank you, Jesus. And I'm just saying, I feel, I feel like this whole episode felt like a no-no appreciation episode, which I was fully here for. And then him and Joe Gorga cut the cake together and Joe kisses him. And it's a really sweet moment. I also think it's really hot when like men like kiss other men on the face. You know, like when a man is like, I'm going to kiss my fucking dad because I love him. I think that's really sexy. Just saying. And Joe Gorga did that to no, no. And it was cute. Then we cut to Melissa showing up to meet with Larry, her party planner. Oh, Larry was Larry upstage. No, no. Larry was the star of this episode. And he's like, hi, Melissa. You want someone to drink? I have tea. I have coffee. I have wine. I have tequila. I take advantage of people on that tequila. Make the budget a little bigger. I mean, Frank from Father of the Bride could never. That's all I'm saying. You know, whatever his name is, fucking 
she, 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 Lisa Vanderpump's planner, move the fuck out of the way because Larry is the new Bravo star when it comes to party planning, okay? So then Jackie shows up to help Melissa plan her 40th birthday party. And Larry's like, are we still on the same page with the white and the golds? And Melissa's like, I love what you said about taking a photo of like my eyeballs and like places somewhere. And I'm like, Larry, I love you, but what the fuck was that idea and what are you talking about? And he's like, I got my eyes on you. And then Melissa's like, so is there a theme for this party? And he goes, no theme, it's a vibe. And I, and I know you want super sexy, but classy, never trashy. Oh, he's amazing. So he sends the gals to descend upon the showroom to look around and see what they like and figure out the budget later, which is such a brilliant way to conduct business. He's like, so fall in love with everything in my showroom. And then I'll be like, ding, ding, ding. That comes out to like, you know, a million dollars. So Jackie and Melissa are kind of talking as they're looking at everything. And Melissa's super into this like mirrored like cheetah. And I'm like, honestly, same. I would put that in my house like literally yesterday. And Melissa looks at a $300 glass and it's like, what do you think of this? $300. And it's like, Ksh! she shatters it immediately. And Larry is just obliviously on the phone in his office. And, you know, last week I said that I think J-Lo would play an amazing Melissa Gorga in a movie of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I'm just saying J-Lo would be really endearing about like breaking that glass and be like, oh my God, <laughs> I didn't mean to. I'm so stupid. Like, I feel like J-Lo would really kill it, which is what Melissa did. And they just pick up the glass, probably give it to a producer and walked away, which I was like, y'all are shady. That is some shady business. Then Jackie asks about how the book release party went, and Melissa reveals to Jackie that Dolores is planning this obstacle course day for Trey, but she said she didn't want Jackie there. And Jackie's like, well, why even have a truth if you aren't even going to follow through on it? I want to say, I have a soft spot for women with sneaky lisps, and I've mentioned who they are on this show before. You know, like Emma Stone, she's got a sneaky lisp. Seriously? It's like you're photoshopped. Like, you know, she's a sneaky lisp. And Jackie, too, has a sheiky sheiky sneaky chic lisp like you know a-list stars such as emma stone so she's like if why even have a truce if you aren't gonna follow through on it and then melissa's like so here's the thing i'm spending money on my 40th party she's melissa's like not even thinking about the obstacle course day she's like fuck that i'm i'm fully on board with my own 40th birthday party. That's all that's going through Melissa's head. And she's like, I'm spending money on my party and I don't want to turn into like a fiasco. And Jackie's like, well, if she's an asshole to me, I'll be an asshole to her. Fair. Also, I just want to say my Jackie impression's getting really good and Jennifer can't fucking touch it. Then we cut to Margaret in an amazing green fur coat rolling up to a store called Seesaw. Also, Marge in last week's episode wore this like, as I mentioned, kind of lime green, like a vintage looking lacy teddy. And then this week she's doing this, you know, forest green faux fur coat. And I'm just like, Margaret's power color is green and I'm really into it this season. So she's that seesaw and she's talking to her friend Gina and she's like, I'm, I'm, you know, looking around. I got a party next week, Melissa's birthday. And Margaret reveals to Gina that she has to see the Duchess of Dicks this week's. And the Duchess of Dicks is one Danielle Staub. And she says that around a week after signing the divorce papers, Danielle was engaged to a duke named Oliver who had been dating Margaret's friend Gina for seven months. Danielle, is it because your vagina is pierced? Like, what the fuck is it about Danielle Staub that draws these men in? She has a new fucking suitor every... 48 hours. 
She goes through men, I don't know, the way I go through Trader Joe's dark chocolate frozen peanut butter cups. I mean, she just she just gets them. She gets them all and she gets the ring. So she's now engaged to a duke named Oliver, which like, Danielle, you don't need, like, Danielle being a duchess, like, actually really bothers me. Like, I want to be a duchess. And like, Danielle and her Jafar eyebrows have not earned that right, I just want to say. So, yeah, basically Danielle fucked over Gina. So Margaret has like a million reasons not to like Danielle at this point. Um, but most recently, she fucked over Margaret's friend Gina, who was also dating this Duke named Oliver. And Margaret's like, you were so nice. You were so nice to her. You were invited to a wedding with Marty. And then Gina's like, I was. I trusted her. What kind of person does this, does this to a friend? And Margaret's like, she's pure. And Gina's like, evil. And Margaret's trying to suck it up for Teresa with this whole obstacle course thing with Danielle there. But she's also mentally preparing herself to come for Danielle if she says something obnoxious to her. Which I get that. Being like, no, no, no. I'll be on my best behavior. But if you fucking come at me, I'm going to fucking rip your jugular out. Like, I've been in that headspace before. And we all know that if there's even a thought in the back of your head of like, no, no, no. I'll play nice. But if she comes for me. If you're having that but if she comes for me, like, side thought. That means you're going to come for her no matter what happens. You're actually mentally preparing yourself to get into a fight. So that's what Margaret's doing. And sure enough, it happens, but we'll get there later. So then we come to grit and wit for the obstacle course, the grand obstacle course. And Dolores meets with James, who's in charge of the obstacle course. And it's half physical, half mental, hence grit and wit. Grit and wit. And you do it in teams of two. So Jennifer rolls up and Dolores is like, your makeup looks good and you look skinny. And I'm like, honestly, a dream greeting. I just want everywhere I go, I want the fucking gentleman at the grocery store who's bringing up my groceries to be like, your makeup looks good and you look skinny. Like, a dream. And then Jennifer reveals that she's wary about seeing Danielle. She's like, last time I hung out with Danielle, we had dinner plans. I mean, can you believe the hostess asked for my name? That's what she said. Can you believe the hostess? I'm not telling this story well. Sorry, guys. I have to start over because I can't read my notes. So the last time Jennifer saw Danielle, they went to dinner and Danielle was like, can you believe the hostess asked for my name? And then Jennifer was like, maybe the hostess doesn't know you. And then Danielle's like, I guess you're right. You know, now you know everything about me. And then Jennifer's like, well, I didn't know your real name was Beverly. And I guess that was a trigger. Danielle was pissed. And no shade to any listeners out there named Beverly. But Given the choice between Beverly or Danielle, I'd probably change my name to Danielle as well. But apparently the reason why Jennifer acknowledging Danielle's old name, Beverly, was so triggering is because Danielle only changed her name after she had, you know, a run-in with the law, as outlined in the book from season one. So Dolores is like, everyone knows not to say that. And then Margaret's like, she's really sick. She's a really sick black widow demon. So then Teresa and Melissa roll up. I subconsciously combine their names to Teresa. But Teresa and Melissa roll up. And apparently it's fucking freezing, which is my true nightmare. I really hate having to do activities outside when I'm cold. One time I went to a baseball game for my friend's birthday party and it was like 45 degrees. And like, I didn't want to be a bitch because I was happy to be celebrating her birthday. But I was like, why is freezing in the cold with hot dogs fun? Can we like be in a warm bar, like ripping shots and eating the same hot dogs? You know what I mean? So I was like, this obstacle course looks miserable. But... Then Rosanna and Rosanna come, and then Danielle comes. And she creeps up behind Teresa, and she's like, ah, that scared me. And Danielle's like, oh, that's the effect I have on people. Danielle loves being scary. She loves being the villain of this show, let me say. 
I also, while I was shitting last week at my sister's, read this article that Danielle's daughter, Christine, wrote about how she was bullied because of, you know, Danielle being on the show. And it was kind of heartbreaking, but also amazing journalism. And I guess now, like, Christine is trying to be a doctor, and people are really fucked up to her because of Danielle's storyline. But I'm like, if if your life was so ruined by this show to the point where you guys have to sleep in like mattresses in a random apartment in another town, like basically go into like witness protection, then why the fuck is Danielle on this show again? Riddle me that, Christine. Riddle me that. So anyway, James is eagerly explaining the directions. And I just feel bad for him trying to explain the rules to these women because they're like, ah, like they're not paying attention at all. Um, and then Teresa's like, but wait, if they start first, won't they finish first? And James is like, yeah, that's why it's only two at a time and why it's timed. And she's like, ow! So Danielle and Teresa start the race. And Melissa's like, it's dumb and dumber! And I'm like, that's harsh. If someone calls me stupid, I, like, want to stab them. Um, and But to be fair, they really struggle with their little, like, puzzle in the beginning of it. And then they're helping each other over these really, like, high walls. And Jennifer's like... Oh, look, they got a good system. She bent down on all fours, which she's very good at. And then Teresa climbs over her. And it, it is true. Like, you know, Danielle, she's the villain of the show, as previously mentioned mere moments ago. I know she likes it. She knows her job being the villain on the show. But if every fucking thing I did, someone made a comment about, like, me being a whore or my pierced vagina or whatever, Duchess of Dicks, pierced vagina, getting down on all fours, it's like, come up with better fucking material. Like, to call someone a whore is, like, so anti-feminist and, like, gross. And, like, I'm just, like, ladies, like, you don't have to like Danielle, but can you come up with some more intelligent insults? Please. Pay attention. Please. That's what Danielle said in the finale of season one of Jersey. So then Margaret's like, well, first of all, first of all, Melissa and I are a great team. Melissa has the athletic ability, and I'm amazing at puzzles. And let's be honest. That kind of got a little Erica Jane. And let's be honest, I have more athletic ability than people give me credit for. I'm very coordinated. Have you seen me dance? That went full Erica Jane. Guys, impressions from this show are harder than you would think. But Margaret's basically like, Melissa's athletic. I'm good at puzzles. I'm very coordinated. And then Teresa checks in with Danielle about Margaret. She's like, how you doing? And Danielle's like, I was the bigger person after she tried to annihilate me. Danielle's always the victim in literally every situation. And we cut to Margaret being like, you can change your face, you can change your name, but you're still that Beverly inside. <sighs> if my name was Beverly and that haunted me, like, that would suck. So then Melissa and Margaret beat Teresa and Danielle. They do the whole obstacle course in less time than they did, but the whole thing was rigged so that Trey could have fun. So James announces Danielle and Teresa as the winners. So then they adjourn to Dolores' house for lunch, and it's this, like, beautiful lunch spread. And I want nothing more than to just cozy up in leggings with Dolores and eat a beautiful lunch at her house. That sounds so fun. I would enter like a 90s type sweepstakes situation where I like mailed in a little envelope to some, you know, magazine just to win a lunch at Dolores's house. Remember like Nickelodeon magazine? It was always like, enter this sweepstakes to get to like have lunch with the cast of all that. That's what I'm getting at. My tangents are out of control today. Sorry, guys. So then Margaret's like, I'm hungry. I live literally haven't had anything today but a smoothie. Oh, I see French fries. That's so me where I'm like, I'm just going to, if I know that I'm going to have an amazing lunch, I'll just have like a smoothie and like save my appetite. You know what I mean? So I was like, Margaret, we see each other. Then Melissa knocks and Loris is like, you don't have to knock on my door. Come on in. Don't knock on my door. And then Margaret is just not pleased being around Danielle. She's like, you know, in the open air, I could, 
my Margaret voice changes every five minutes. She's like, in the open air, I could handle it, but being stuck in a room with her, ugh. So then Jennifer brings up um, her daughter Gabby's bitchy ex-friend drama. And she's like, you know, I'd love to do this sort of obstacle course thing with my daughter. And Margaret's like, hypocrisy is rampant with Jennifer. And then she's like, well, I think that's what Jackie was saying, you know, about you bullying her. And Jennifer's like, you can't compare what's going on with children to what's going on with adults. And I'm like, literally, yes, you can, Jennifer. And then Melissa brings up how Jackie was pissed that she wasn't invited to the obstacle course thing. And Teresa's like, well, she bullied me about talking about the other guy. Wait, what? Yeah, talking about the other guy. That's bullying. No, that's assassination of character. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. And Danielle's like, well, Melissa, that's another party I'm not invited to. With like an evil chuckle. She's like, <laughs> meaning she wasn't invited to Jennifer's event. And then Jennifer's like, I couldn't have someone there who flips switches. And Danielle's like, I don't flip switches. And then Jennifer says she like texted Danielle. And Danielle's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And then she's like, actually, you did. It was a very long text message. And this whole exchange was like very confusing to me. I was like, what are we talking about here? And then Margaret calls her out for what she did to Gina, her friend. And Danielle's like, no, I didn't do anything to Gina. It wasn't about her. And then Danielle brings up Margaret's affair with Joe, her hot husband with his fuzzy mustache. And then Margaret fires back with well prostitutes fuck married men you fucked a lot more married men than i have and then danielle gets up and she's like i'm not doing this you know being the victim home like a piece of shit you want to talk about me like that you're a sick fucking human you fucking whore and danielle storms off and Teresa goes after her being like what you okay and then margaret's like Teresa's gonna say she feels bad for danielle again just wait just wait and you know once again like in every situation of literally all time danielle's like i felt attacked and Rosanna, in the thick of all this drama, spills a plate of food. She's like, ah! And it's like, so they're cleaning up this food. And Melissa's like, the problem is even though she's broken, she wants to break other people. And then Danielle leaves, and she's in the car. And she's like, and Teresa's sort of talking her down about it. And I just want to note that Danielle and Teresa were proudly wearing their medals from that fucking obstacle course all day. Like, Danielle was wearing it in the car while Teresa talked her down. And I'm just like, I love these adult women being like, we fucking won that obstacle course. Especially, the, like, the fact that they didn't even actually win the obstacle course, but they're wearing those medals around all day was, like, amazing. And then the conversation ends with Danielle being like, they attacked me, but I love you. Call me call me later. Bye, honey. So Teresa comes back into the house, and she's like, I hate that. I hate She felt like all four of you, so going at her. I mean, the prostitute thing. And Margaret's like, oh, she says things about me and called me a homewrecker and a whore. And she's like, no, she didn't. And she's like, no, she did. She called me a whore. You got to see it, Teresa. You got to see it. I can't take it. Um, and Teresa's like, uh, you called her a prostitute before, too. Prostitute. Because then it cuts back to Teresa flipping the table, being like, prostitution whore engaged 19 times. Got me to do um, And then Teresa's like, those two are like oil and vinegar. Oil and water. Whatever. Tomato, tomato, whatever. And that was the end of the episode. We went out with a bang, with that whole fight, and with a little bit of humor from Teresa butchering the oil and vinegar expression. Next week's episode is Melissa's 40th birthday party. I hope we get more of Larry, my favorite party planner of all time. We're going to see Margaret. Gabby, Jennifer's daughter, is going to see her mom, Jennifer's video, making fun of Jackie. So we're going to see how that whole bullying storyline keeps going. And then Teresa talks more to Joe Judice about his sentencing. And that was the episode. 
Guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Again, uh, leave me a rating and a review. If you have any feedback you want to give me, feel free to email me at brownagunicorn at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at Hannah A. Brown, and I will make sure to take all of your feedback into account because I want to give you all the best content ever week to week. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.